Welcome to The Queen and Jersey, a special edition series by Bailiwick Podcasts. Time and technology worked in tandem to make Queen Elizabeth II Britain's most travelled monarch. Her Majesty was 96 years old when she died, having come to the throne in 1952, by far the oldest and longest serving royal Great Britain has ever known. In the early part of her reign, she travelled as most of her predecessors had, by boat and train, but later advances in aviation, particularly the jet engine, revolutionised travel and shrunk the world, making visits to far-flung destinations more practical. However, this punishing, globe-trotting lifestyle did not come at the expense of tours closer to home. She came to Jersey on six occasions, more than any other monarch. So far, we've looked back on four visits in 1949, 1957, 1978 and 1989. Today, we cross into the millennium and focus on a visit in 2001, one year before Her Majesty's Golden Jubilee. By the time the Queen made her fifth visit to Jersey in 2001, a year before her Golden Jubilee, the Queen's personal world and that of the wider world had changed dramatically from that of her first visit in 1949. During that time, all four of her children had been married, three had subsequently been divorced, and one of them remarried. She herself had dubbed 1992 the year of her ruby jubilee, her annus horribilis, marked as it was by the press's revelations of the scandalous behaviour of her children, and a fire which had destroyed her beloved Windsor Castle. In the wider world, the end of communism in Europe had followed the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, whilst in Jersey, the sixth post-war bailiff was Sir Philip Balash. He had been just three years old when Elizabeth first visited. Perhaps reflecting her age, the ever-increasing pace of life generally, or maybe a sign of just how busy the Queen's agenda had become, this was a whistle-stop tour, lasting just six hours. In a break from her previous four visits, this time the Queen arrived in the island by air, 2,000 people gathered to witness the Royal Helicopter touch down in the People's Park at 10am on the 13th of July. After having travelled more than a million nautical miles, the Queen's beloved Royal Yacht Britannia, which had brought her to the island on two previous occasions, had been retired in 1997. The government announced the cost of refitting her was prohibitive. Flying was also faster. In 2001, there was an outbreak of foot and mouth, a highly contagious viral disease that cattle are particularly prone to across all of the British Isles. So, like all visitors to the island at the time, as the Queen alighted, she had to clean the soles of her shoes by walking through a tray of disinfectant. As protocol dictates, the Queen was then met by the island's Lieutenant Governor, the ninth since the end of the Second World War, Air Chief Marshal Sir John Cheshire and the Bailiff. Once again, following tradition, she was presented with bouquet, this time from seven-year-olds Emma Beckford and Robert Wallace. Also in keeping with tradition, there was a special sitting of the States Assembly, and the island's seigneur, or lords of the manor, swore their allegiance to the crown. But unlike the earlier, more formal and stuffy ceremonies of 1957 and 1978, which had been held in the Royal Court building, these were more relaxed affairs and followed on from the 1989 ceremony, which had been held in the grounds of Gorey Castle. This time, it was staged in Howard Davis Park. Artist Jason Butler was commissioned to produce a commemorative painting of the gathering in the park by the then States of Jersey Royal Visits Committee. 
The new location did not mean doing away with the new Seigneur of Trinity, Steve Morgan, having to perform the seemingly bizarre, age-old duty of having to present her with two dead mallards on a silver tray, however. This was something the national press made great play of, prompting Senator Pierre Horsfall and Deputy Imogen Nichols to say it was time to bring the ceremony to an end. By way of a defence and an apology, it was pointed out that the birds had actually come from France, as they're a protected species in the island. In his loyal address, Sir Philip proudly proclaimed that in 2004, the island would be celebrating the 800th year of the emergence of its unique constitutional status, and was proud of its strong links with the Crown. He added, The loyalty felt by islanders towards the person of the monarch burns as brightly now as it did in medieval times. Before leaving the park, the Queen paused briefly to unveil a granite monolith marking her visit, before going on to meet some of the islanders who had been patiently waiting in the background. Next stop for the Queen, as on a number of previous visits, was Victoria College. Her job there was to present five students with gold medals for academic achievement. Sean Farley for mathematics, Sadip Dapal for science, James Southall for modern languages, William Austin Votier for modern history, and incoming head boy Christopher Lacane the Junior History Prize. In the loyal address, departing head prefect Jonathan Larossignol said the college was proud of its traditions and royal favour. Though it was but a short hop away, the Queen travelled by car across the road to officially open the New Jersey College for Girls complex, which, although extended and modernised, had once been College House, Victoria College's dormitories. During her visit, the Queen watched a short drama performance and was given a bouquet. In a short speech, the college's new head girl, Susie Hughes, explained about the school's book of pledges, in which students and teachers had written down their promise to devote five hours of their time to helping the community each week. The Queen was then invited to sign the book's front page and unveil a plaque to mark her visit. The Queen also asked the school's headmistress to give the students Monday 16th of July off as an extra holiday. Whilst the Queen was visiting some of the island's educational establishments, the Duke had his own duties to perform. The first of these involved visiting the New North Quay to meet islanders who had taken up the challenge of his awards scheme, including gold medal recipient Ty Nicholson. This was followed by visits to the lifeboat, the sea protection vessel and various historic boats, before going to the Maritime Museum and nearby Occupation Tapestry Gallery. Again, perhaps in a sign of the more relaxed and less aloof approach which the Queen and Duke had been steadily developing over the years, there was a break with the tradition of hosting lunch at a renowned gastronomic venue, which in the past had included the Grand Hotel, West Park Pavilion, the Hotel Lorazon and Jersey Potteries. Instead, it took place at the Grand Hall at Highlands College, but that didn't mean standards were compromised. A feast of a starter of smoked salmon filled with Jersey crab, a main of half a lobster salad with Jersey royal potatoes, and a dessert of summer pudding had all been prepared by a team of 52 staff under Longville Manor's award-winning chef Andrew Baird back at the hotel, and then been delivered to the venue. In the afternoon, the Queen officially opened the Royal Jersey Agricultural and Horticultural Society's new headquarters in Trinity. The Society apologised that, because of the foot-and-mouth outbreak, they could not stage a cattle show for the Queen, as they had on most of her previous visits. They did promise, however, as they had done in the past, to give her a cow once the pandemic was over. In the meantime, she seemed happy to make do with a pen and ink drawing of a Jersey cow, sketched by five-year-old Charlie Hutchinson, the winner of a local competition held to present the Queen with a work of art. The Queen also came face to face with another work of art, the first in a series of bronze cows being cast to mark the 50th anniversary of the World Jersey Cattle Bureau. These were to be unveiled at West Centre in the centre of town later in the year.
The Queen and the Duke were then driven to Jersey Airport and left at five minutes to four in the afternoon. Thank you for listening to The Queen and Jersey. This is an audio version of an article produced by Eric Blakely and the Bailiwick Express team, read by me, Fiona Potney. If you'd like to see the full version with stunning photography courtesy of Jersey Archive, you can click the link in the episode description. If you've enjoyed delving into this period in the island's history, please do like and share this podcast with others. Express will be releasing a special edition on the day of Her Majesty's state funeral on Monday 19th of September. It will include tributes, memories and detailed analysis of the island's special relationship with the Crown. To receive the free special edition straight to your inbox, head to bailiwickexpress.com and sign up for our free daily news email. You'll also be able to find it on the Bailiwick Express app. Download it now from Apple or Google Play.